0: what's going on trophy kids we got an awesome one here for you today i sit down with mike randall we talk a little bit about how his career got started and the challenges he's seen as this business has grown and then we get right into college hoops talk it's an awesome interview i think you're very much going to enjoy this we did do it late friday night so we missed all the craziness of saturday but don't worry we'll get you caught up to speed on thursday's podcast so make sure to come back for that one but i think you're really going to enjoy this interview and let's go And welcome, Trophy Kids. Today, we have a special guest, Mike Randall. You may have heard him from Screen of the Screening Podcast. You might have found him through his freelancing work at the Action Network and other industries. I mean, I was looking up your bio. I feel like you've written or gone kind of everywhere. But Mike Randall's on today. How are you doing today, good sir?
1: Uh, it's doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's the grind. I mean, that's the only way we can do this, right? Is to grind and to love it. And you're like myself, staying up late, producing, editing podcasts, and you learn as you go. But it's a pleasure, man. I appreciate sitting down and talking for a few minutes.
0: Yeah, that's the one thing. You know, As you start to get in this, the more and more I do it, it's just like the hours, everything. You find out everybody's yes. kind of written any, everywhere. Everybody's up at late hours. So I appreciate you spending your Friday night or a chunk of it here mm-hmm. with us today. Speaking of that, how did you kind of get into this business? From what I was able to find, it seems like you've been on this in a long time. You know, How did Mike Randall kind of get into this? What is your origin story with this?
1: The origin story is really, really funny, Nate. I decided at some point, I said, look, I want to get involved in fantasy football, college basketball, betting, et cetera. And I said, all right, let me make a Twitter account. And I made one back in 2016. Uh I called myself fantasy warrior, Mike, just the (laughs) stupidest name of all time, but I I didn't know any better. And so my first article ever was for last word on sports. Great site. If anyone's looking to, to write, they're just great, great people. They'll let you write whatever you want. They, they edit stuff for you. They get out real quick. And I wrote why Ezekiel Elliott should not be one of the top picks in the NFL draft, how he's going to be a bust. So that just shows you like horrific article, obviously <laughs> completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I used all the new writers use the stupid phrase caveat emptor. So like I thought I was being cool. <laughs> caveat emptor and Ezekiel Elliott. You can look it up. It's a God awful article. But from that point on, I just started writing and you write more and you go on social media and Colin Kelly, who's over at Rotovis now, who's going to be full time, great guy, said, I'm looking for people to help us edit podcasts. And I said, I'll do it. I don't know what I'm doing. And the guy literally sat down with me and sent me videos that were like 30 minutes long. And I liked it. It was a hobby. Like everybody has hobbies. This was mine. And it sort of evolved into that where now it's like doing all this stuff. But that's how it started. So anyone out there who's listening, like you can do it if I can do it. I wrote a horrific article that made no sense. It was completely false. And here we are.
0: If if it's fair, I'll give you one. My I think first article was ranking the top five quarterbacks from the Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Josh yeah. Rosen. I said the number one guy, game ready, Josh Rosen. So yes, <laughs> oh,
1: I love Josh Rosen. I totally <laughs> cerebral. Yeah, right, cerebral. could <laughs> yeah, step totally right in enough.
0: and be fine. So it yeah. it feels like that's just how you start. You write a bad article and then you go from there. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. And it was always, I, I my first love was always college basketball. My two best friends and I would get together after college because we wanted something to help us hang out, and we would watch March Madness. So I said, what else would flow with college basketball slash NBA? And it was football, and that's how it started. There
0: you go. I like that. Now, you've been in the business for a little while now, and it's been ever-changing, I mean, you know we're onboarding now sports gambling it feels like a new state every time there are more content creators out there every day with those changes what kind of how have you adapted and how have you kind of navigated the field to really continue
1: to break out and kind of give yourself new opportunities to grow it's just about seeing what's out there and it's it's all connections like in life i tell my kids it's all it's all who you know So if you see opportunities to do stuff and it may not be paying, who cares? Because if you were getting paid, it probably wouldn't be that much anyway. But I definitely got the right connections with the right people because Rotoviz is a pretty big fantasy site and they taught me how to edit podcasts. Audacity, free, free. I don't know how Audacity is free, but (laughs) a great editing tool. I looked up online what mics to use. I found the Blue Yeti. My buddy and I came over and started the Screen the Screener podcast. We sat at this table with this mic on different sides of the table talking and not talking. That's how we did it. And, it, and that's how it started. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, somebody's actually listening to this. And, and you go from there. So that, that's really it is, is write as much as you can because re- the written word matters. Do exactly what you're doing. You look like you have a better setup than I do over there. And and Appreciate learn how to edit stuff, and that's it. And then you put it out. Video is king, and people pick it up, and then you get opportunities.
0: I like that, and that's kind of the one the way I sort of found you guys in the Screen the Screen podcast, which I hadn't heard of before. But we both partner with a, a similar app called the Ravon Sports app, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. how I came across the Screener the Screen the Screener podcast. I apologize there, and let me tell you, one of the better finds for those of you who have not heard it. One of my co-hosts who wasn't able to join has been a fan of yours for a little while now. Incredible depth of knowledge in college basketball, perfect time nowadays, so I was very happy to get you on. For all those listening, make sure you check this out. But a little bit on the Screen to Screen podcast, College Hoops seems to be kind of your bread and butter, because when I listen to that, I think it speaks volumes on how well you kind of have a depth of knowledge around the sport. How did you kind of get to that point point? kind of, I guess, should we say, is that your bread and butter? (laughs)
1: I, I would say it is my it started because i loved watching my best friend and I we played basketball together all through high school and we loved watching hoops and we loved march madness i would say the first one i remember was syracuse indiana in 87 i'm going way back okay. uh, i love that syracuse team Derek coleman was on there and they lost and that bothered me and then where the the one before that actually that changed everything was it was it was 1985 it was villanova georgetown and my dad watched it with me but he made me go to bed because it was a school night and the game started at nine on a monday night and i woke up because i was rooting for villanova and i woke up and he hung these on toilet paper outside my room and i realized when i woke up that they won and i was hooked so march madness hooked me in I always tear up during one shining moment. My wife and I came out in our wedding to one shining moment. Uh, That's some dedication. (laughs) So, like, all that is true. And that's where it started. So, we look forward to it. And listen, Nate, it's like, it's really life, isn't it? It's March madness. There's a beginning, there's an end, there's hope, there's despair. And in the end, you reflect on it and say, wow, that was really, really great. So, always. Ah, uh, that's where it started. The V's, my dad, toilet paper. Still mad, he made me go to bed watching Villanova <laughs> hold the ball. Okay, we're going pre-shot clock. Here. Yep, <laughs> hold the ball, and then they upset Georgetown, and that was it.
0: Incredible. I like that. There's actually those two teams you mentioned, Syracuse and Villanova, is kind of what got me hooked. First cup. First college basketball game I ever went to. My cousin was a student at Villanova. We got tickets to go into the student section for Villanova-Syracuse with Scotty Reynolds, I think freshman year. Ah. Incredible game. And from that moment on, I was hooked. Like, I am very hardcore into the kind of football scene, but from that moment on, I was like, I love this sport. This is exciting. The atmosphere is amazing. And then March Madness rolls in. That first weekend is arguably the best weekend in sports. Incredible. Let's talk a little college hoops. This year... I'm getting back into it right now, transitioning out of football. My biggest takeaway, and correct me if it feels wrong, every year it feels like there's always kind of like that one or two teams that you go, all right, it's these guys versus the field. But this year it feels like it is wide open. Do you feel like this year's kind of depth is is actually depth and there are a bunch of teams that could really run the table when we get to March and are kind of proving that right now?
1: Yes, what I love about this year is I find that there, there is a run of teams that can go through. It's not, yes, Gonzaga, fine, Auburn, Kentucky, who I think is number two right now, Mary Gonzaga Mary can make it, but it's all about the matchups. There's so many times, Russ Smith with Louisville, where I watched a bunch of games and he was like two of 40 from the field because he had no conscience. And I'm like, they're not going far. They're not going far. And sure enough, I look at the bracket and I'm getting take lock in my head. And I'm like, no, I'm not, even though their draw looks good, even though I like, no, no. And sure enough, they win national title, Russ Smith. So it's all about, that's why everyone's asked me. They said, what do you, think? Who do you think? I have no idea. I could literally tell you that Gonzaga's going out in the second round. If they had like an Illinois Chicago from last year matchup, like right. Illinois did. Okay. I, I could, uh, Loyola Chicago, sorry. Loyola Chicago, uh, I could absolutely tell you that I could see a, a a lower team that I love like a Murray state making the final four. I I could see it depends on the matchups, but yes, I think it is very wide open because you do not, besides Gonzaga, you do not have any dominant team. And we've said it before. We've seen Gonzaga besides last year, they've had trouble sometimes. Sometimes they get upset because they grind their teeth on the WCC. But sure as heck, they look good this year.
0: Do you think that is what it is with Gonzaga, that it's just the fact that they are playing in such a weaker conference that they kind of lose that momentum they maybe gain from the pre-conference? Because you look at their pre-conference schedule, they're playing top-tier basketball teams, and then they get into the conference, it's only St. Mary's that you're really kind of grinding your teeth against. Do you think that's the reason they've had trouble breaking through? Because it feels like every year we talk about them being this dominant force coming to the tournament, and outside of last year, they always fizzle out.
1: I don't want – you know, it sounds like I'm being negative, and I'm not. It's just, yes, they play an incredible non-conference schedule. 100% they do. But they don't play those teams for several months. So I can't come up with another reason. I mean, they've been to do finals. They should have beat North Carolina if Kenny Meeks was called out of bounds, which he should have been. Fair. And they could have won last year for sure, but they ran into a buzzsaw with Baylor. Fine. Jalen Suggs got foul trouble, whatever it was. I forget. Yeah. But I – I think that they, the only, they have a hall of fame coach. They have a great program. They have size, they have talent. They've gotten top five players in the country. Now they're due. And I, the only thing is I would tell you that Jerry Tipton in from Kentucky, the Kentucky beat writer, we do our beat writer preview series. He reminded me of this. He said, cause I say to him, is there any pressure for Cal to win a second? Like, when you go to the barber shop down in Kentucky, are they sitting around and actually telling me that like Calipari's got to go? Like, are they really saying that given yeah. his success? And he said they are. He goes, but they shouldn't be because how many is Bill Self one?
0: I was just about to say there are so many coaches around,
1: exactly right. like, like that. <laughs> and I I used to make fun of Bill Self on the podcast. And Gus laughs all the time when they beat Memphis that year with Mario Chalmers. Do you remember what Self did? He wiped his brow. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was almost like, thank God. Like, there wasn't, I felt Bailey for him. Like, he should be jumping up and down like Jim Valvano running around. He wiped his brow because he was like, oh, I had to do that. You know, that's yeah. not fun. So, it's hard to win a title. So, obviously, fuse a legend, no doubt about it. I just would love to see them break through because they deserve it. They really do. And I don't want to hold the WCC against them. I don't because I love that. But there's no other reason other than, why haven't they gotten over the hump? Because they should like, they have so much talent and, and they, and they play great and they're well coached. So you just figure a lot of averages. They'll get one at some point. I hope they do.
0: I would think so. And that's the thing that I could come back to initially. When I first heard that take, I was like, Oh, that's silly. But the more I think about it, you do think about it. Like the Villanova's, they get their teeth cut in the big East day in and day out. They're playing tough games. You go to the big 10, all those teams are playing tough teams throughout their conference schedule. It is the one common denominator that, Gonzaga just doesn't have um, which is interesting and it, that is the weird thing about college basketball coaches too because like just being really good and relevant doesn't seem to be enough at some of these schools when it is so incredibly hard in a tournament setting be like Jay Wright if you were getting mad at him before he won his title at Villanova it's like they keep pushing through keep pushing through and don't get it
1: well Nate Jay Wright tells a story all the time after a couple of years I remember seeing him at a clinic once before he became J.J. Wright and he, he was saying like I left a, a game one night and I, t- I looked at my assistant. And I said, we got to find other jobs. We wouldn't get fired. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's how fragile it is. All you can ask for from your head coach is sustained success. I, I wouldn't like care if I was a college president. I, you know, you're going to win a title. Yes. But like, if you can get me every year to a, a conference tournament championship or battling, I'll take my chances. Cause at some point, right in the tournament, you'll make a final four. Houston made one with Samson. Like if VCU makes a run with Shaka, George made like it'll happen. And and few obviously multiple Final Fours, two championships, great. But that's what you have if you have sustained success, you have a a rare coach.
0: I like that. I feel like in you know I wasn't around during these areas, but I feel like that's what sort of made the Big East one of the more top tier conferences back then. Is those coaches felt like they got time to build a program, have some sustainability, and that created yep. great wars. Um, you speak about Calipari. One note before I move on to kind of I want to talk a little bit of the Big East as we're teasing it here but Calipari this team when I first started kind of watching this season they just stuck out as a team of maybe not his best team but they seemed really really good they've had some injuries do you think that team in Calipari this is a year where it's kind of like you need to get going and make make it deep into the tournament maybe not to be fired but this team has sustainability here.
1: Yes, because we've looked at Kentucky's team and the one thing that they've usually struggled with, I'd say is three point shooting. They always start the year off and their three point percentage is not great, but then they get it going and they have everything else. If you look at them on Ken Palm, their numbers look like a a, a bingo board. I mean, they have green all over the place. They are only shooting 35.8% from three point range on the season but in SEC play, they're almost 38%. This is what Cal does. They don't turn the ball over this year, which they've had trouble with, and they've had Wheeler and Washington injured for a lot of this. They're the number one team in the SEC, which is an elite conference, obviously, in adjusted offensive efficiency, three-point percentage. They don't turn the ball over. They, grab, they rebound, and they play defense. They're top 20 defensively. Cal knows how to do it. He's done a great job. LSU seems to be his kryptonite, as is Rick Barnes, by the way. I never heard you hear this. I never heard this phrase until we had somebody on the podcast. It's Barnes always beats Calipari. Calipari always beats Pearl. Pearl always beats Barnes. And like that is held true. I don't know what it is, but they can take it all. They are they To me, they are number two. I would put them behind Gonzaga or right there with them and like slightly that. ahead of Arizona right now is where I would put them. I, I think they are the real deal. The SEC is fun. They're 12-3 and three overall. They got Arkansas away tomorrow. Get your popcorn ready for that. Then a, a screen-to-screener favorite, Kermit Davis down Mississippi's Mississippi. He's had some bad luck. He got them at home on senior night and then Florida away. So, yeah, that's what he, he has a style. Gets these guys to buy in, and they're all coming. I was just talking to my wife before. We're watching Devin Booker. Devin Booker didn't even start at Kentucky. Which is I, I insane. Mean, like <laughs> Right. It's like that. That's that's a talent, like what he does. And it's it's impressive and it's work. But this year, watch out, man, because they're making threes.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point and a good thing for the listeners to know. The SEC is funny because, you know, you always think of it as a football league, but the basketball there, it feels like it's really elevated the last couple of years. I don't know if that feels wrong. I mean, they've always had good teams, as we know, the Florida's back when they were running it. Tennessee's always been a good program, Kentucky, obviously. But it feels like the conference as a whole has gotten really healthy and the ACC has almost gone down a little bit. It's funny how those kind of boats yeah. are rising and some are sinking there.
1: Yeah, and the SEC's fun. I just – yeah, when I was growing up, I used to watch the um – the AFC West games, like they were on with Dick Enberg, and it was the, the four, the NBC. It had the like sort of saturation on the TV, and you knew it was a West Coast game. Yeah. But those were fun. Like Charger Chief games were fun. Raider Charger game. The SEC is a fun league. Like who is not going to watch Kentucky Arkansas tomorrow? I mean, that's yeah. just gonna JD Notte could go for 40, okay? And then, and 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 Shiba is going to have like 30 and 30. I mean, like, it's a it's a great game. So it's just a fun league to watch.
0: I agree. Do you take any credence to the fact I've I've heard a couple of people say it, you know, these fast-paced teams which seems to be a lot of the SEC teams sort of have a tougher time in the tournament because they it is like if you get a little bumped off your off your route they have a hard time correcting do you give any kind of credence to that or or do you think that's all kind of a little bogus and they're fine as a whole because it does seem like that's the brand of basketball they play compared
1: to other conferences it's fast yeah i think let's go nate i think the problem is that those teams tend not to play defense yeah that's the problem and so look at north carolina i mean we joked about old roy he came in and won three titles in north carolina and they made a living off a secondary break so you can run. It's just can you lock down when you have to? I remember Roy on the way to one of his titles had trouble with Harvard in round one. You know, so you you the, those teams that play that style that don't lock down in the half court, yes, can be upset. But you look at a team like Kentucky, top 20 in adjusted defense. They hold their opponents to 30% from three point range. It's 28th, and they're ridiculously tough inside the arc that's fine. You can run and do that. Now, not everybody can because they don't have the talent that Kentucky does, but that's the secret sauce. So I don't think running is bad. I think running with reckless abandon and giving up layups is bad because all of a sudden you're going to find yourself down by 10 in the tournament and you're not going to be able to run as much anymore and you're going to have to play defense and now you're not in your comfort zone. That's where these teams get in trouble.
0: That makes sense to me. I mean, I think that's a fair breakdown of that because I heard that the other day and I was like, you know what? That does kind of feel true. Um, It also feels kind of true, which I think is something that Providence is getting a little I think the takes have gotten a little out of control with their luck factor because I watched the game and I have heard the podcast where you guys are bringing it down yeah there's a luck factor there but every good team has a little bit of luck factor I look at that team and I go you know what these guys are cool common collective under pressure like this is the type of team you want for the tournament but of course everybody goes well these are the teams that fall out in the first weekend they're easy upsets Mm -hmm. do you think that take's kind of gotten I sort of know the answer because I've listened to your podcast but for our listeners who maybe not have heard it (laughs) Do you give credence to that? Like, is that is that not kind of getting out of hand with this luck factor and people are overlooking Providence right now?
1: Well, you've probably heard me be uber sarcastic on the pod. And my argument is I don't want – I want a balance, you know, like Mr. Miyagi. I want the balance. Don't get so lost in the metrics that you miss the obvious. And the line I've used, which I know you've heard, is you start 10 feet from a door and you go halfway. Mathematically, you never reach the door if you go to halfway every time. no, you do because you eventually you get there. yeah, so I hate when people get lost in the metrics and don't look at the obvious, which is what's happening in Providence, or the other way where they're just totally disregarding mathematical sense. I don't like that. I get the issue with with, with Providence, that their numbers aren't great, their offensive efficiency isn't fantastic. They don't turn people over, they play at a slow place pace nate watson is not your typical big he's not going 15 and 12 right and he sits for four minutes and they play croswell i don't know why but (laughs) anyway but like i that like at this point they're good i don't want to hear about it anymore and i put this out on twitter the other day they're going to win this game against creighton tomorrow without nimhart on the court they're going to win a big east title they're going to lose in like the semifinals of the big east tournament and then get upset in like the round of 32 and everybody's going to say, I told you so. Well, you probably lost hundreds of dollars betting <laughs> against this. So you didn't tell me <laughs> anything, you know, like I was there when Duke lost a VCU in round one, like Providence has had an amazing year. They're going to win their first regular season, Big East title, Ed Cooley, amazing job and they know how to win close games. How many threes do we need to see Jared Bynum shoot from five feet behind the oh arc before you realize he's good? They're good. That's it.
0: As a Xavier fan, that triple overtime game was, uh, was a rough game. Terrible yes. for my health. And that man, I was it'd be nice if they could miss every once in a while because it did feel yes. like, oh, here we go again. Every yep. single time. Could not
1: put yep. them away. Oh, nope. um, and and I I think I was talking about this with my wife, because we we have some connection with uh Minaya. We know the manayas and um Justin's a great kid. All I can tell you is, is as much as, you know, some people say, well, doesn't score enough. Folks, the kid would run up and down the street in the snow. Like, tr- like that's the type of kid he is. I so that. like I, that, we, we he it is what it is with him. And he's a great defender as well. But I think Scruggs is an NBA player. I don't know what you think. I, I I know he can drive you crazy, but he's big. He hits big shots. He does it all. And he just got tired. Nate. Yeah. He just got tired. You could tell he was grabbing it. He's at his shorts, but it was an amazing game to watch, but not for Xavier person. Sure.
0: No, we needed that win so badly because it was one of those things. And I feel bad. I've been on the bi- I've been a big steel defender early in the season because I'm on the mindset mm-hmm. of like, it's his fourth year. It's his provie year. He's done a great job Recruiting. The X's and O's mm-hmm. maybe haven't been great. The roster rotations have been head-scratching at times. But, like, let's yeah. give them the year. Let's keep the negativity out of the program. That is not mm-hmm. what the Xavier fan base has been going with. But DePaul broke me. And then St. John's kicked me a yes. down. And now I'm I'm like Sweden. I've just kind of backed off. I'm going to see how it plays out and then go from there. But it's been tough as a Xavier fan. I, do you have any hope for my Xavier team at this point? Can you give me something that gives me a little shimmer of hope right now?
1: Well, let's see. If you run the table... You're 20 and 10 and you're 10 and nine in the big now that should get you in. A I suit, agree. I I think you you beat Seton Hall home, St. John's away, St. John's very vulnerable, turn the ball over five million times. You gotta beat Georgetown at home. Okay. <laughs> no. But you 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 win those three. You're twenty and ten. You're ten and nine in conference. Give me a first round win, and I think you're in. Yes. I, I agree. I agree. I Thank you. And and
0: we've yeah. had a bunch of quad one wins, which has been nice. It it seems like mm-hmm. when we get to conference play, it's sort of gets going in the downward direction. Like I said, roster rotations are terrible. He's got to clean it up. But it's the Big East. That's the thing that, like, a lot of the times, like, if you split it, I feel like if you split series, you're doing pretty good when you split them against the Providence of the World. We didn't split Villanova, obviously. But, like, it's the Big East play. And that's another thing. Can we – I think we can kind of say the Big East is back. It's not, like, back like it was, but we're a no major conference call. now.
1: Can yeah. we all just agree with that? Oh, no, 100%. You, and I'm looking at your metrics now, Warren Nolan. Five wins, quad one, that's fine. Four and one against quad two is fine. You have the, the one quad three loss, you would know yeah. better than who it was. Oh, it was, it was DePaul. Bad. It was DePaul. Yeah, at home, but like, which was yeah. just broke me. <laughs> but you do have 24th strength to schedule overall, which is huge. Yeah. Yes. I think if you sweep those three games and give me one win in the Big East tournament, I think you are very 710 ish. Maybe in a worst case scenario, the play in 12 game. Is that, does that sound about right? I feel I, I, I think you should be in. Yes.
0: Perfect. I agree. And that was the, see, the expectations we beat Ohio State in a pretty dominant fashion earlier, and then the win. fan base went way off like, oh, we're going to be amazing. Yep. I was like, expectation was like, finish top five, top four in the mm-hmm. Big East and make the tournament. Let's not get crazy here. And then it's kind of gone off the rails. Villanova, I know you guys are sort of high on them. They seem, to me, out of the Big East at least, and at large, a team, calm, cool, collected under Jay Wright, a team that maybe doesn't have the best stars they've had in the past. Talk to me a little bit about, does the Big East have, whether it's Villanova or another one, that can really kind of take advantage of the tournament and make a push that represents for the conference as a whole? I think it's Villanova, but want to get your
1: thoughts. Uh, I, I still believe in Providence, but they need to be healthy. They're a Jenga puzzle. If you take Al Durham, they could absolutely lose in round one. It wouldn't even surprise me. And Nate Watson has to be Nate Watson. Like, he's, he, he's not a great rebounder, which makes no sense, but he is their go-to guy, and he opens up things for the shooters. So I think Providence is okay. I like Nova only because we talked on the podcast about how, if you look at their two championship years, they have the same profile. They're a veteran team. They don't turn the ball over. They make their free throws, but they also, as Gus pointed out, they don't have the NBA talent that they normally have. Your Jeremiah Robinson, or McHale Bridges was a freshman oh. that year, Pascal. So they don't have that. I will say this. I am not high on Connecticut. Really? I, I, I don't. What about things? Something's missing. I okay. know they beat Nova, but they shouldn't yeah. have. You can't. It's not a foul when they they, they, <laughs> they cause a jump ball. They cause a jump ball and it's not a charge either. But regardless, something is missing with them. I don't trust Sonogo. He's got the shot put hook. It went in, whatever. I, I I would pick them as an early out right now. I would. But again, it comes down to the matchups. Watch them go to the final four. But assuming <laughs> they get a, a, an average draw, I think it's Providence and, and Villanova. I will not give up on Providence. You know that we could be sitting here in an elite eight game with the headline, everyone doubted Providence. We, we absolutely could. And we could also be sitting here with them struggling to knock off, you know, like, you know, the NEC team, you know, I mean, like you know, you could, yep. you could see that. So, those are the. I don't see. I think Shock kids are a little young, but he's done an outstanding job for them. I agree. I don't buy into Willard. If you listen to the pod, you know what I think of Willard. Um, and Creighton is just very young, and now they lost Nemhart. So to me, it's Nova or Providence or nothing. I will not have Connecticut going far unless there's some weird draw that they get.
0: I like that. All right, when you look at the field as a whole you know, as people are kind of filling out their brackets as we get to that point in the season, what are maybe some teams, you know, people, a lot of people talk about the Purdue's, the Kentuckys, Villanova's, Arizona, Gonzaga's. What are the teams that are maybe flying under the radar for you right now that you like that have potential as long as some things go right to maybe make some noise come tournament time or have a player that we're really
1: going to find out about that maybe we well, I, talk about? Well, I think you're setting me up here to say Colorado State. <laughs> I mean, I, I love my Rams in the Mountain West. They are the true no big with David Roddy inside who is a power forward-esque shorter center for them and is just the man. I mean, to me, he's the Mountain West player of the year. They make threes. They have great guards. Medved does a fantastic job. If they don't lose to Nevada on the last game of the regular season last year where they gave up the three-pointer – I think they're in the tournament. They all came back because they wanted to be in. And Roddy's elevated his game to a new level. They shoot the three. They're great on offense. They're great on defensive rebounding and they don't turn the ball over. They have everything you need to make a run here, and no one is going to think of that. Now, I'm not saying they're definitely in. I hope they are, <laughs> but they, you know, they have some work left to do. But that's the type of team that I'm looking for. I will also say this: I have come around on UAB. UAB oh, has flown under the radar for a long time. Andy Kennedy is went there and people have sort of forgotten about them. And last year they were kind of like, yeah, they turned people over, but they're not very good. No, no, they're good. They're very good. They beat a good San Francisco team on a neutral court. They beat St. Louis in a true away game. They battled West Virginia at home earlier. They cause havoc in the half court, much like Shaka's team did back with VCU. They're fun to watch. They turn you over. They rebound the ball. They can make threes. They are the pain in the rear. No one, no one in the general population is caring about the conference USA because they're thinking, oh, North Texas and this and that. And they had a nice win against Purdue, but they're not going to go far. No, UAB is a problem because I like teams with styles. That's how Houston got to the final four. They have a style. UAB is annoying. They are the flies, they are the beehive around your head, and you could get <laughs> like down that. if they're making threes. Watch out, they are a quintessential. Six three upset waiting to happen.
0: Ooh, I like that. All right, thank you for that one. I will keep my eye on that one. um Here on Trophy Kids, we're always big on trying to give our listeners something different. Now we know, don't give away the secret sauce, people. If you want to be good at filling out your brackets and getting good information, go find Screen and Screen the podcast on Apple and Spotify. I believe you're on or am I? Yeah. Correct oh yeah, that? all the wherever you hear your podcast. Yep. Perfect. One thing, ask you, you know. Gamble is becoming big. Everybody fills out a bracket. You're a numbers guy and an analytic guy. As people are looking at things, what is maybe something that you utilize that maybe indicates a positive or a negative for a team when you're looking at a matchup, when you're trying to break down something that kind of jumps off the page or a number that people should be looking at maybe?
1: I love... I make fun of myself for this. I love three-point percentage defense and three-point percentage made. Okay. How many upsets can you remember in watching the tournament where the team didn't make threes? In this it, normally somebody yeah. gets hot. So I love I love teams that defend that I don't care if you play at a slow pace or a fast pace. I don't really care about that. But I do like a style. I like that something is, you know, Wyoming is very unique in the Mountain West. Mountain West has been terrible. For a while now with them in Colorado state, Colorado state, all guard alignment, Roddy inside, he can step out. Wyoming slow Hunter model, not Maldonado, the throwback scorer, uh, Grammy K inside the act. They have a style. So I like three point percentage defense, three point percentage shooting. So the efficiency on both sides of the ball. And I like a unique style, something that's different. A lot of people blew off Houston last year. Cause they don't have enough offense. They don't have offense folks. No one had enough rebounding and defense except for Rutgers who I loved in that game. And they did cover, but I like them because they were able to match Houston. They don't care about being physical because that's what they are. They're from New Jersey. Like me, they're lunch pail. They're die. So I'm like, this is not what Houston wants. What does Houston want? The team that you talked about earlier, the run up and down secondary break team. That's what they want. So I look for contrast and styles and I love three point percentage and teams that have unique builds.
0: I love that. Thank you very much for that. And our listeners will very much appreciate that. Um, and it's so true because the thing that will always be burned into my memory is Steph Curry, who, you know, people were paying yes. attention, knew what was coming there. Maybe not to yes. the degree that happened, but that Davidson team, all I remember is him lighting up threes. I mean, that's true of every team that goes on a run, but it's that yes. is a, such a good point because that will forever be burned in my
1: memory. We were at uh, uh, my wife and I were getting married that year, and we went to the tasting where you go and get to taste the food. And like, I kept going to the restroom because he's <laughs> lighting up Georgetown light. I mean, yeah. just bombing away. And she's like, "There's something on, isn't it?" I said, "Yeah, you gotta see this kid. This kid's unbelievable." Uh, but she didn't mind because on our first date, she we were watching JJ Reddick. So that's just the way it is. I like but, that. Uh, a saint for yeah. for it. <laughs> yes, yeah, she was. She went to a bar, and I'm like, "Oh," she's like, "Oh, the Duke game's on." Yeah. Said, Excuse me. Yeah, I almost proposed right there.
0: Yeah. That's similar to my girlfriend with football. It's like at, as soon as football season, everything revolves around that. And it's fun. We've worked yes. out a scale. Like, how important is this on a scale of one to five for missing yes. games? Yeah. And we yeah. keep it yeah. very similar to that. So I like yes. that. Yes, <laughs>
1: that's the way to do it. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you spending some time here with us. For everybody, you can find Mike Randall, Randall Rant at, on Twitter. You can also find him on screen the screen or podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, he's all over the place. Make sure to follow. You're definitely going to want to be listening for March Madness. Anything before we go that you want to get out there outside of that?
1: This was great. We got to do this again. I love it. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. And listen, we are so close. We are so, so close to March Madness. I'm going to be putting a ton of stuff out for four for four football betting pros At College Basketball, we will sleep, as John Rothstein says, in April. Yes. In in, in May. We'll sleep in May. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I loved it. Thank you so much again. um, And I hope we get you back on here sooner than later. So thank you for your time here tonight. You got it. Thanks, man. Thanks.